0: So we are in uh, Matthew chapter 23. You know, I was going to move directly into chapter 24 today, but, but uh, I was struck again with chapter 23, the last couple of verses, the last three verses. Matthew chapter 23, reading from verse 37. Matthew 23, 37. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, How often I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Behold, your house is being left to you desolate. For I say to you, from now on, you will not see me until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So what he says is, I wanted so much to bless you. I wanted so much to to do something for you. That would have made you happy. Just like a, a a mother gathers her children, I wanted to gather you, but you were unwilling. Remember that 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 fundamental concept that God never goes against our free will. We have the ability to make decisions that affect our lives. We have this ability. And people make decisions all the time. You know, I was I was reading this week and And there's this this writer, John Henry Cardinal Newman. Maybe some of you know him, but um, he wrote at the at the root at the root of all atheism. uh, I'm sorry, at the root of most atheism. The root of most atheism is an issue of morality and not intellect. And I read that, and it was you know one of these moments where you're 30 minutes on that page in the book, and you just can't get past it that folks who, who build up these things about atheism and, and, and what's happening with their lives, uh, if you get to the root of it, it is an issue of morality. I want to be able to do what I want to do. And therefore, then, I will build up all of these, these surroundings around it. At the root is an issue of morality. The outworking, then, are all these intellectual arguments. Some of them quite interesting and profound intellectual arguments on atheism. And I had a young man in my office uh, two days ago, and he was talking with me. And, and uh, uh, I said to him, tell me, tell me about your faith. And he, you know, threw his head back and laughed. And I said, um, I'm not sure what that means. Help me. Help me here. What does that mean? He said, uh, I'm an atheist. And... and um, and he said that, uh, uh, I know the, the guys in the lab said, you're an atheist, does the boss know that? I said, trust me, don't worry, I've met atheists before, you haven't shocked me or anything. And I started, and I shared with him exactly what I shared with you, that, it, it, that I had read that at the root of most atheism is an issue of morality and not intellect. He says, oh no, no, not with me. I said, Okay. I said, now, let's think about what this man wrote. He said that the root is an issue of morality, because I want to be able to do what I want to do. And then we build up intellectual arguments. Do you think this man was right? So he stopped for a minute and he pondered. He says, yeah, that's probably right. And, and uh, um, you know, certainly what I have seen in my life, because we as people want to do what we want, these sort of things arise. And and I was, you know, I was I was um, talking with Shireen this morning, and I, and I bother her a lot because I, you know, early in the morning I talk with her, and you, you know she just wants to sleep. I can't understand it. But but um, and I said, you know, it it it's so sad because I know so many people that I. That I really care for. That are never going to be able to have this love for a woman that I have for you. And are never going to be able to love a husband the way you love me. There are so many people that I care for. I work with students all day. All the time. My graduate students in particular are in my office a lot. You know, we talk research and all, all this. And I... And I really begin to care for them. And I, and I you, you know, I have this, this, this fatherly sense toward them and it, it hurts me, it pains me when I see them go through things. When they're upset with me, it hurts me. Like when my own children are upset with me, it bothers me. It bothers me the same way when they're upset with me. Now, I don't always tell them that because, uh, uh, you, you know, they're just going to have to work harder. But, but it does hurt me. And and as I began to reflect on this, I I went back to the book of Proverbs. So if you go, turn back to the book of Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2 begins to get to the same point. Because remember what he tells us in Matthew is that I wanted so much to gather you together as a mother hen gathers her chicks. I wanted to gather you like children and do good things in your life and really make it so you have a good life. And I was reflecting on my life just this morning and I, I thought, I have it so good. I got children that I love that most of the time love me back. I've got a wife that I love that most of the time <laughs> she loves me back. I got a job that I that I love that my job always loves me back. <laughs> And uh, it's sort of, like, sort of like a puppy, you know. I mean, it's just, just the love is always there from my, from my office. It's, it's always there. <laughs> and and, uh, you know, and then I always speak with my mother and father on Sunday mornings. So they, they call at about, about uh, um, quarter to seven. They call every Sunday morning and we talk for a while. And, um, you know, I was telling my mom and she says, I know that. I know that with you. That, that, you know, you have this life around you that, that is so pleasant and that you love so many aspects of it. And I said, I really do. But, you know, this treasure is really there for everyone. It is there. This is what Jesus said. I wanted to gather you as a mother gathers her children. This is what I want for you. And it's not, but Satan opposed me and I couldn't do it. But... You know, the, the world situation didn't let me do it. It's that you were unwilling. That's what it is. Our growth in the Lord is dependent on us, on our willingness to allow Jesus to work in our lives. Are we willing or are we not willing? So let's look at Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you will receive my words... And treasure my commandments within you. Make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you will cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from His mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and He preserves the way of His godly ones. I mean, if you just think about this, and if we really believe this, what would it do? It says, if you would just receive this instruction, just receive it and long for it, look at what I'm going to do for you. He says, I'm going to give you wisdom. It says in verse 7, I, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. I mean, he stores it up. That means he has got, God has, has barns full of wisdom that are just pushing the doors open and the doors are bowing with the pressure and, and it's oozing out the, 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 the cracks in these doors that it's opening up. God has that much wisdom stored up so that when you come to points of decision in your life, is this the right woman for me? Is this the right man for me? You're not on your own. God has a way of wisdom about Him where He talks about parental involvement in relationships as we talked about before. He talks about praying and seeking, searching out God's will. All of this is there. And His wisdom is there. But you know what happens so often? We are unwilling no, I, I can call this thing, I know who I like. I really do. I don't need other people to help me with this decision. I know who I like. Well, guess what? You're about to find out in a few years who you don't like, too. And he or she might be sleeping right next to you. This happens all the time. Remember, over 50% of the marriages in this country end in divorce... Over 50% of the marriages among Christians who go to church end up in divorce. That means half of you statistically will undergo the pain of divorce. And that really hurts me. Because that's extremely painful. And I see this pattern all the time. I see it now. Not of anyone here in particular in here, but I see it in my life. There are people in my life who have been to this class who have gone off and young girls who are dating people they absolutely know are unbelievers. And they want someone to all of a sudden take this young man and make him into a believer so that they can marry him in peace. Not realizing that they're, they're really de- getting ready to destroy their lives and they're destroying it right now. There's great pain there just stacking up. And it hurts me to realize the pain that these people are going to go through. And you wonder, don't you understand? But it's their life. They're unwilling to allow themselves to be embraced by God and to say, I have someone in my time who's really good for you. Really good. He says, he stores up sound wisdom for the upright. I see pain in the lives of people in job situations because they make dumb decisions. And I don't mean business decisions. I just mean interpersonal relationship decisions at work. They write sharp emails that they really ought not to write. And we all do it. But they don't understand asking forgiveness either. And because of that... They end up getting fired or encouraged to leave. And it messes up their lives and messes up their careers and messes up their families because of these decisions. God has all these storehouses of wisdom and he's like, "Uh, won't you let me just take one of these little things of wisdom and place it into your mind for this situation? It's like, no, I don't need it. I know what I need to do. So God doesn't force it on us. So He's got storehouses of wisdom to make our lives peaceful. That doesn't mean that people don't die around you. That doesn't mean that you don't see people around you suffering. But there's something inside that you look and you say, I have a rich life. Look at what God has done for me. Then He says, he is a shield to those who walk in integrity. That doesn't mean He shields us from ever scraping our, 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 you know, our, our big toe or something, stubbing our toe. It doesn't mean that. Maybe it means that too. But He is a shield to us who walk in integrity. He orders things in our lives to cause us to have good lives. He helps us with big decisions. He helps us in the way we talk to people, the way we address people. Without this word, I wouldn't know what to do. And I look at these young lives of of young people that I really, really care for. And I think, you know, this young lady here is never going to experience the love from a husband the way I love my wife. You say, how do you know? How do you know that? You don't know that. Remember, to me, it's not a prophecy. It's a data point. I just know what this young lady is doing with her life is never going to promote the getting of a godly husband. It's going to promote the getting of a husband who objectifies her because of her body. And I know that's what she's going to get. And it hurts me because I know the misery she's going to go through. And I was thinking this morning, God, how much it must hurt you because you know exactly what's coming down the road. I just know in some you know, vague sense that this is going to be a weeping woman. Or some young man making these decisions and knowing it's just really going to hurt his life. Where these young men will come and they'll hold these grudges and walk in unforgiveness. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? What are you doing? And in my heart, I'm weeping for them, thinking... You know, when you have a child, if you don't learn how to forgive and move on in your life, forgive others, one of these days, your kid's going to get upset with you and not forgive you. And you're going to experience real pain. And so I'm crying out because the Bible does say, if you don't forgive others, your Heavenly Father will not forgive you. Remember what He wanted to do. He he said back in, in Matthew, We just read, he says, therefore, your home is going to be left to you desolate. Because you weren't willing to accept me gathering you and blessing you. You wanted your way. I'm not happy about this. But you're going to get your way. And it's going to reap desolation in your home. Whoa. God, let me be responsive to Your Word. We need to individually fall down on our knees and say, God, please, please, let me be responsive to Your Word. You know, I have said this prayer several times. I said, Lord, if ever I'm going to do something that would bring shame, into my marriage because of an act of immorality. Father, please take my life first. I would rather die. Unless we really mean business with God, that I want to obey Your Word, we set ourselves up for great misery. Look what he says. He goes on in verse 8 of Proverbs 2, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Look, he guards that path. Of justice. You want justice in your life? God will put you in a path and guard that path of justice. That doesn't mean you never see injustice come upon you. But then you know it's a teaching experience and He's going to lead you through in a greater way. He preserves the way of His godly ones. Now re- let's read on in verse 9. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will guard you, understanding will watch over you to deliver you from the way of evil. From the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways, to deliver you from the strange woman, from the adulteress who flatters with her words, that leaves the companions of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God. For her house sinks down to death and her tracks lead to the dead. None who go to her return again, nor do they reach the paths of life. So you will walk in the way of good men and keep to the paths of righteousness. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. So he says that he's going to keep you in a right way. He's going to, in verse twelve, deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. You now, when I was when I was uh, fourteen, I started working in a in a gas station, and it was back in the days when the attendant pumped the gas, and it was on a highway, and and. Uh, I got the job when I was 14 because I told them that I was 16. And, you know, things weren't checked back then. And, um, you know, I started working with men, many of them who were ex-convicts. The ones who weren't ex-convicts should have been ex-convicts. That would be better than what they presently were. And there was all this evil that I was learning and all this scheming that I had never known. No, you know, there's all these devious ways. And I had never known them, and I'm learning all of this. God says that He will protect us from that. If we follow His ways, He'll protect us from these evil paths. And that the other thing that He'll do, He'll protect men from strange women who would want to lead them astray. And this happens, oh, this happens. As you progress in your lives, and you go from just being the lowly student to you know, to being Joe Engineer, to being, you know, uh, uh, Joe VP of, of this and that, there will be people coming to you, women coming to you, that will kind of admire you and think, wow, you're really something. And if you're not in tune with the Lord, you know what happens is you get this flattery and you think, hey, eh, she's right. I'm kind of a great guy here. You know, and you start believing this about yourself. Because there's this woman flattering you, and what you have at home is a woman who's telling you the truth about yourself. And and so you start to believe this, and lo and behold, your heart starts to get drawn aside to this other woman. God says He will protect you from that. In other words, when you hear this sort of flattery, you know these alarms will go off in your head and you'll think, Alarm, alarm, this woman is not my wife, and she's flattering me, and God will prompt you to turn the other direction and go away because you know it's a lie, what she's saying. It's just not true. If she knew what a wretch you were, she would not be flattering you like this, really. It keeps women from the wrong men. From men that you think, Oh, these these are extraordinarily handsome men. I would never get another man like this. This must be the Lord. Not necessarily so. Maybe, but not necessarily. He says He will protect you from this if you respect His Word. You know, and and, uh, uh, I knew this guy who was going through a divorce and I begged him, don't do it. Please don't do it. And, uh, uh... I told him, I said, you know, if you do this, this is what the outcome is going to be. You're, if, if you leave your wife for this other woman, you're going to end up leaving this other woman for yet another woman. And woman, and you're going to be leaving a string of her children. And the children you're leaving now are going to be broken. Really broken and go through great pains in their life. And he said, you don't know that. You just don't know that and don't push your Bible stuff on me. Well, now... Fifteen years later, he has left yet that second woman with a child and is on to his third. How do I know this? It's not because I'm a prophet. I've just seen it before, and the Bible says it. This word, if we will respect it, remember what it says If, if, you, if in verse 1, and you treasure my commandments within you. If you make this your treasure, you know, I go into houses and, You know, I see that Bible sitting up on the stand there, open, you know, big Bible sitting on the stand. And I don't think anybody ever really reads those. But that's like a good luck charm. You know, if I have a Bible here by my door, you know, I kiss it when I go by or whatever it is. It doesn't do anything. It really doesn't do anything. I would much rather see an old worn out Bible sitting on the night table. Much rather. Because getting that into our hearts is what does it. There is no good luck charm here. It is obedience to His principles and His ways. If you, know, if you know of any commandment in the Bible that is not coupled to an act of obedience, let me know because I'm still looking for that one. I don't think it's there. Everything is coupled, every blessing, I'm sorry, is coupled to some act of obedience. Some commandment, some act of obedience, every blessing is coupled to. But he says, he will guard you, he'll protect you. And then look what he ends up with in verse 21 of Proverbs chapter 2. For the upright will live in the land, and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be uprooted from it. You know, when I, when I meet men that are scheming, you know, oh, you know, I got this steel going. You know, and they're looking around like, you know, someone's going to be eyeing them. What deal you got going? And, you know, they're scheming all the time. Remember, they're not going to be there forever. They're not the ones inheriting the land. And even if they win big on this one, they're going to lose. Everybody that I know who was scheming how they can avoid paying their income tax and doing this and doing that, they have lost out. You make your life in accordance with this word and it says... The upright will inherit the land and the blameless will remain in it. You will remain. Your marriage will remain. Your home will remain. Jesus said to the Jews, your home is being left to you desolate. Desolate. Because you would not allow me to gather you. All I wanted to do was to be like a mother to you. All I wanted to do was to gather you and be like a mother, and watch over you, and protect you. But you wouldn't have it. May God take our hearts, and make our hearts responsive to His Word. Because I'm telling you, you can really have a good life. You can have a life where somebody, long after the wedding vows are said, really loves you, and really cares for you, and someone you really want to get home to, and be with. And so when I hear about guys talking about their wife this, their wife that, I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I love to be with my wife. I love it. And this is what God can give you. The treasure is right here in accordance with His Word. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the truth of Your Word. It is so good. Thank You that Your ways are right and just. And it keeps us from going down the wicked path. Lord, I thank You for these young people. And Lord, I pray for them that they would experience the joy in their careers, in their homes, in their families, and in a marital relationship. The joy that I have. Father, I pray that they too would experience that. That You would guard their way from evil. As they give their heart to You and treasure Your Word. Father, please do that in their young lives, I pray. That from these young lives would come many good homes. And many children that love the Lord and honor You. Lord, I ask for Your blessing to be poured out. In the name of Jesus. Amen.